You're listening to the Crowned One Podcast on the Stream Grace Network. Welcome to podcast number two from Crown One Ministries. I'm Stephen Cunningham with my wife, Rebecca. Hello, hello. And we are coming to just uh, talk to you about ministry stuff. God's so good. You know, we have a ministry, Crown One Ministries, and uh, our church, the Sanctuary OK, and actually we're changing names to Sanctuary OK, but uh, doing a lot of good things here. And part of that is linking the body. We had a mandate from the Lord to unite the body and bring the fivefold ministry back into his body. So uh, by doing that, you know, we need all those offices represented. So today we have special guests with us. We have um, Carmen Azado and his wife, Jules. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. And Carmine was, in a, was a professional professional wrestler for 23 years. Is that right? That's correct. 23 awesome. years. Yep. Awesome. What was your wrestling name? The name was Blast. Blast. Yes. Wow. Part of the, the new, the tag team, the new demolition. Wow. That's awesome. I can always, always see Rebecca as a wrestler. Oh, what, yeah. What would yeah. your stage name be? Oh, man. It have something with sassy something in it because i'm a girl it'd have to be sparkle or something (laughs) sparkly shiny (laughs) (laughs) one of those things i love it i'll have to think on that i'll get back to you yeah so you know uh one thing we do here is we we try to um expose people to the to the five offices you know because a lot most people are exposed to pastor teacher but not many are exposed really to evangelism or to the prophetic Right. or the apostolic so what we do is we try to um just link arms and, and let people be exposed to that so we're we're equipped right yeah right and um you know what this might be a little different attitude here but i think the pastors have done a great job i think they've stayed in their lane best they can they've nurtured and fed and loved and visited in the hospital and um just taking care of the flock so they've done an excellent job but the fivefold is what god designed to grow us all up it says all over ephesians 4 about making us mature oh yes so let's get this done yeah absolutely and i think the problem is is people that are called to ministry but the only idea of ministry they know is being a pastor or being a teacher when they might actually be called into absolutely the prophetic or the apostolic or even as an evangelist so You know, I know a couple of people right now that are pastors that probably are evangelists. You know, they have a heart for going out, and that's what we want to get in today. We want to we want an evangelistic eye today. We want to know uh, what people who are listening, what you know, what what their perspective of an evangelist is, and what it might not be. And so you can tell us because you have a ministry. You two have a ministry called Hitting the Pavement, correct? Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean that's exact. The Lord gave that to me about. 2003 or four, uh, he said, I need you to be on the streets. You know, he said, I need you to hit the pavement. That's exactly what he said. Awesome. And uh, so I thought it was a, a show and it was, that's the way it was kind of given to me as a, like a man on the street interviewing everyday people. And that's what's going to happen. We already have that all in the works. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when this whole COVID thing is over and the social, the people aren't afraid to <laughs> hug anymore and get a kiss on the cheek from a New Yorker, you know, <laughs> that's what we do. So that's you know, um, it, that's really it's it's meeting people in the bars. It's going to the nightclubs. It's going waiting outside at four in the morning and and getting somebody fresh, uh, not scripted 
and just saying, hey, how you doing? You know, and, and doing an interview uh, and saying, what are you believing for for your life? You know, so that's where it began. But when COVID shut down, my wife was hearing from the Lord and the Lord was saying, you need to hit the pavement now. <laughs> so it's really totally was against what I thought was the actual meaning of hitting the pavement. And she said, no, we got to go out there now. And so That's we good. we dissolved our old ministry name and, and put everything from the old ministry into hitting the pavement. So well, awesome. That's yeah. great. That's cool. You know, uh, and real quick, Jules is off mic because we only have three sets of headsets. <laughs> and I apologize. But she is. Listen, as a as a wrestler, he needs a manager, right? Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, so they tag team this thing and she's over here. Yeah, she's like, yeah. Oh, awesome. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. It's so, unfortunate that she really does speak a lot into me. And then I, you know, we're men and it's weird. I, I really need help in this area is that. I would hear the Lord through my wife first, <laughs> right? <laughs> Instead of hearing the Lord two weeks later and then telling my wife what a great thing I heard. And she goes, really? And she's staring at me like, I said that two weeks ago to yeah. you. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> believe me. I understand that, believe me. <laughs> right. <laughs> men become men when they could fess up and say, you know what, I should have really, you You know, I always introduce my wife in, in ministry and, and in, uh, when we go to engagements and stuff as my perfect half. Oh, and yeah. people look at me kind of weird and they like deer in the headlights like oh you really think she's perfect <laughs> and i go no no I, you're hearing it the way you want to hear but jesus wouldn't have gave me somebody who wasn't perfect for me for you right and so i don't you know this my, i grew up in an age where you in, introduced your your wife as your old lady oh my god oh, yeah, no. i would be so scared to do that yeah, right. <laughs> like, this is my old lady what <laughs> and, and really it teaches us how we speak about the person the lord gave us to do this life with you know sure absolutely yeah. boy that's the truth well so we talked about you being a wrestler for 23 years yeah. but um obviously you know your accent you're not from california so <laughs> not from these parts okay so can you give us a little bit of, of background where you're from and, and 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 honestly how you grew up and uh when you met the lord oh well i mean i i was born and raised in brooklyn new york so i, I was born in we call it the hood, but it really wasn't like parts of California that you see on the movies. Right. We we grew up in the streets. I mean, everything was fighting, everything you needed in your life, going into the subways, going onto the you know mass transit, you always had to watch your back. If you walked into somebody else's neighborhood, you pretty much had to know where you were going. And, you know, you just, it, it, it was segregated. So you had to know where you were. And you had to know that the streets were owned by the people, you know? Well, let's just so, for, just since we're not video real quick, let's let people know you're about six, six, 900 pounds, right? 900, <laughs> 900 pounds of Jesus. No, no, <laughs> no, I'm about three fifty now, but I'm, I'm a big guy, yeah. but I, I went, I was up to 500 pounds. So I one wow. time, so, so I dropped a lot, but I grew up in a really strong family, you know, uh, my pa parents were all about respect and honor. You know, you didn't, you know, the whole neighborhood watched you pretty much. So you couldn't get away with the things you thought you can get away with, you know, telephone, telegraph, you know, they would tell my parents and That's we would exactly. get, we would get caught, you know, but you know, growing up in New York was awesome because of, I, I got to see diversity. That's really what I loved. And there was so many people that you just, you know, you had to either be a people person or you weren't. And if you weren't, you stayed home, you know? Sure. But, um, <laughs> but we learned a lot. Um, New York is a place of a lot of opportunity, but it's also a place that if you're not strong, you won't survive. Mm. You know, that's why they say if I, Frank Sinatra saying, if I can make it here, 
I can make it anywhere. And it's so true. It's got to be uh, something with a pizza, right? Yeah. Just <laughs> but I didn't get, you know, my family grew <laughs> it is the It's the water. That's the, let me just tell the, the, the secret. It's the water. It's the water. The, water, the water makes the bread and the dough of the pizza <laughs> taste the way it really does. Wow. Uh, okay. So that's, that's true. That's honest. You know, that's <laughs> the way. <laughs> I never thought of that. But, but I grew up in a Catholic family. So to get back to your question. Yeah. And so, but I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. I just knew him. I just knew of him. So, and I didn't get saved till 33. So I grew up in a family, but you know, I just stayed away from religion. I stayed away from faith, anything, you know, sure. just because I saw so much brokenness in it and it didn't really move me to want to invest into church and to relationship. You know? So did you take a, uh, a uh, another path i mean were you did you go down the road to like addiction or did you well did yeah that? i mean when i tell my story to people it's a very long story my wife always knows like you got to shorten it but i was dreaming to be an nfl player oh, okay. from 10 years old right so my investment was keep the right people around me keep people that believe in what i'm dreaming about and i so i chose my friends very carefully um because i needed positive people not negative nancy's around me you know sure, what i mean sure. and so i was doing well until i got to high school and, and in my junior year i sustained the horrible injury compound fracture bone through oh. the skin you know back in those days we didn't have smartphones and computers so my mom wrote letters colleges were very interested two major colleges were interested in giving me a full swing scholarship i also oh. wanted to be a, uh, a medical doctor i want to be a sports medicine doctor because I didn't know if I was going to be an athlete on the field, but I wanted to be on the field at least helping athletes. So, sure. But when my friend who was in a scrimmage game, you know, anger, I don't know what it was, jealousy, uh, he chop blocked me. It was illegal, but it was after the play, right. which made it even worse. And right. he just destroyed my dreams in one, one choice he made, just killed my dreams. And at 16, I tried to kill myself after the... Um, after the operation and recovery and then the realization I'm not going to be an NFL player or a doctor. My I family see. couldn't afford to put me through college. Sure. So I took the whole bottle of pills and downed them, you know, wow. so yeah, at 16. That's so. a lot of weight to carry at 16. Yeah. That really is. That's a heavy thing. Well, I tell people now, I said I wrestled, before I became a professional wrestler, I wrestled with this um, identity crisis. I didn't know who I was, and so that was the downward spiral. And it just get worse and worse and worse. So, so was that the bottom there? Was that the lowest, or did you get lower? It was that was the lowest for me as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, but then at seventeen, you know, the WWF came, the World Wrestling Federation at the time came to my high school and they recruited me. Um, they saw how big I was. I was still in recovery, and I was na I was not nasty, but I was kind of disrespectful <laughs> because the promoter came up to me and I'm walking with a with a crutch, not a crutch. I was walking with a cane. I had a walking boot on. I'm learning how to walk again. I mean, oh there was two gosh. major surgeries. Wow! And then the guy goes hey you ever thought about being a professional wrestler he was so sweet and i go are you blind and the guy goes what he was like this is like the wwf promoter here and he's trying to give me a break here but when you're caught in this mess of like your head is always down you're always putting on this fake smile to tell everybody you're okay and i said he goes what do you mean am i blind i said I'm, i have a cane and a walking boot i said and you're off telling me to be a wrestler and the guy said something to me that changed my entire life that day. He looked at me and he says, okay, I get what you're saying. He says, you're gonna heal, and then what? Wow. And I went, what? Wisdom in that. He said, you are going to heal, 
and then what? Wow, that's good. So even for the people who are listening to this, I know that you've been hurt or you feel broken. Amen. But you're going to heal. If you allow the healing process to actually happen, you're going to do something amazing. What are you going to do? That's the question. Well, so. that's good. It's not just physical healing. No. That's in your heart, in your emotions, in your oh, yeah. soul. Yeah. And, your and what's really interesting about that is, you know, uh, in, in our world today, people hang all of their hopes and dreams on something that can be taken away. Yes. As opposed to the Lord, which will never go away, which is eternal. Yeah. So that, there's a great story in that. And, it's, and, I, and I think that's part of what you're doing by reaching people. But and, see the foundation. You just spoke about a foundation of the Lord. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that. You know, so to me, right. I did everything my parents said. They said, don't just try and be an athlete. You know, if it doesn't work out, you're going to need a fallback plan. And medical doctor was my fallback plan, but it it required something. It required high grades. It required your family to be able to afford to put you through college if you didn't get a scholarship. Now scholarships are given out like a dime a dozen, right? even partial scholarships. Back in those days, scholarships were new. That was something new. But if you had high academics and you were a great athlete, oh my God, you had the whole world in the palm of your hand. Sure. But it, both of those things were stolen in one day. But oh, I'm gonna man. tell you the greatest lesson I learned from a non being non-Christian is that I was already being worked on by the Lord and I didn't know it. But during my surgery, going out under anesthesia, coming out, I was already thinking about this horrible mistake my friend made i knew it had to be a mistake because he liked me and i liked him so i knew it was out of some kind of jealousy or i don't know i don't know what it was but when he came to the hospital to visit me and i tell this to people as well i said i was already preparing my heart to forgive him wow because and it was kind of selfish my forgiveness but it was so necessary because when my mom said he's here and I won't mention his name because we're still friends and you know we're, we're both in our 50s now, you know? But anyway, um, when she said so-and-so was here, I knew it was him because she didn't announce anybody else. She wasn't saying like, your uncle Steve is here, right. you know? Right. And um, she came in and she said, so-and-so is here. And I said, oh, okay, let him in. The natural Carmine wanted to leap out of the bed and choke him, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what did you do to me, right. you know? But but when he came to my bedside and he says, man, I just have to ask you something. And I said, no need. I already forgave you. And he just starts crying. The tears just start rolling. Wow. He goes, what do you mean? How did you know I was going to? I said, I just, I just knew you were going to ask and I needed to forgive you, not for you. I said, I needed to forgive you for me so I could move ahead. Wow. And good. that was like the major lesson that now as an evangelist, it's... so powerful you know wow that's great man what would your life be if you would not have made that decision if i didn't forgive him at 16 i would have never i don't believe the lord would have allowed the opportunity of the world wrestling federation to come into my life i don't believe i believe that fully because i believe that when you're given a little bit a lot is required of it you know and even if you don't know the lord if you're listening and you don't know him trust me on this one i know you've trusted a lot of people but i am a living you know i'm i'm a comeback story that's what i tell everybody ah, that's great and if you start forgiving people you'll start seeing that you take that off of you and now you have room to receive something greater you wow. know that's great yeah. yeah so um tell us about your uh, how did you come to christ what did that take did that take individuals to 
minister to you or did you just one day wake up and oh yeah well i went through 20 almost 20 years of wrestling so i took on the i took on the challenge went to school became a wrestler wrestled all over the world became part of the new demolition so life was good what people can see but in that stent of time i tried to commit suicide two more times Mm. so even with success and money and fame whatever you want to call it um i was wearing a proverbial mask i you know i I wore a real mask paint face paint sure but the mask i wore was making my family and my friends and everybody think i had it all together but i was so broken because when you're broken inside and your true identity which i thought wrestling i thought football and being a doctor was my identity still didn't have christ in me um and so i was i was still hurting from that i was still this wasn't wrestling wasn't my dream football was and i i really lived for it so i tried to take my life two more times and then 9 11 happened i lost a very good friend of mine one of my best friends in the second tower so um wow. and so i had a lot of questions but then once 9 11 happened i took a job in construction and so for 13 months two men that were my helpers i was the foreman and they were my helpers they knew the lord they were solid and they ministered to me for 13 months. Wow. 13 months of dealing with Carmine from Brooklyn. <laughs> so I was hurt and angry. <laughs> you went Brooklyn on him. Oh my Lord, Jesus. You know what, to all the believers out there though, think about that, two guys at work. Two guys at work. Believers at work, and they go up. I mean, and you could have been intimidating to them. Listen, this is so perfect of who you guys are because you, you're tr- you're honoring me today as the office of evangelist. These guys were the office of evangelist cool. on the job site. If these two evangelists were not on that job site, I wouldn't have a story to tell you today. Or if they weren't bold. Now, if they weren't bold, if they, yeah. If they were fear of man was the thing with them and oh, they yeah. cared what you thought well, yeah. well looking at you i think that's why it took two of them to minister to you because <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so i want to make your show very interesting today can we talk about the race card absolutely hey, go please ahead. talk about i like the race talking card. about race absolutely. because everybody makes this about race but i'm going to tell you that on that job site you had the united nations right sure. there in front of you it's you like had military you yeah. had carmine azado who was born and raised in brooklyn i'm italian you can probably tell <laughs> you know i like pizza i like mozzarella cheese you know i like uh-huh. you know <laughs> Nice. But David Lewis, who was one of the helpers, he was a black man. Mm-hmm. He was African American, but he was uh, he was ex military. Um, so he was in Germany, and he, he was amazing. He was very structured as a as an individual, but he had some mess in his life. He sure. he was taken out of something, um, and then Luis Chavez, as you can tell, he was the <laughs> Hispanic, but he was from Salvador this guy was special he had nine felons on him you know what oh, i mean yeah, right but he was not only a nine-time convicted convicted felon wow he had drug charges murder charges um wow. you know just it's crazy his rap sheet but he was radically saved and then he became an associate pastor of a church in queens <laughs> so i got these two guys and i'm like really so this guy's hispanic pastor the other guy goes to an ame church an african whatever <laughs> right. you call it and i'm the lost soul on the job site that hates religion and every morning That's lewis awesome. was like johnny on the spot hey could i good morning Conway. you know jesus loves you i'm like oh god i have one of these people with me (laughs) (laughs) but if that is not a snapshot of what the kingdom's like what the father's like 
But that's why I was talking about race yeah. because yes. it was so perfect that the Lord put us three together. If we <laughs> if we went to do a job in Bensonhurst, which is an Italian area, I went and knocked on the door because those two guys were safe. Right. If we went to Harlem, Black Harlem, Dave got out of the truck and Dave he knocked up. on the door. If we went into Spanish Harlem on the on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, Lewis knocked on. We just knew our we knew our surroundings. We honored each other. We loved each other. Yeah. And we were all different. We were all different colors, all different races, backgrounds. That's awesome. So I'm just, and I want to kill the race card right now because if you know Jesus, there is no racism. Exactly right. Shut up. It's over. There's no argument. You know? We're talking about something that is a non thing in the kingdom. Come on. It's amazing the devil makes you fight about everything. People have never struggled and had to link arms with uh, no matter what color you were. In combat, you all bleed red. Come on. You know right. what I mean? So there's no time for looking and going, oh, you're this, you're that. And just people that have never been through anything difficult don't understand that. So they'll pull that out in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's uh, that's good. That's really good. So let me ask you something off the rails here real quick. Uh-oh. So as a wrestler, what kind of snacks did you eat? <laughs> <laughs> we need to know this. I ate everything. No, <laughs> no I didn't. That's a lie. I, I actually ate six meals a day. I was so good as wow. becoming a, a, a football player right. that I carried it over into becoming a wrestler. So I ate six meals a day. I ate smaller meals, but I kind of ate anything I wanted. I sure. just made it small. So if I had two slices in pizza instead of a whole pie, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, pie. You know, that would be a lunch with something to drink. But, you know, I was very active and I was really active. I loved the gym. I was addicted to going to work out, you know, so those are the things. But I, I didn't really eat like I do now. When you get older, you, my wife and I are very good about what we're trying to consume because you, you know we've been out to eat with you you yeah. have self-control yeah we try it's it's not hard my wife and i we when she goes to new york and i go to new york we have to drive by junior's cheesecake oh, well, that's I'm the nice. hardest thing to do you know <laughs> the car is kind of trying to self-control you know? <laughs> it's trying to turn in there you know uh, you know it's funny uh, you're always talking about being an athlete and stuff i come from a family of athletes on both sides and so it's so funny my dad used to say well if you can't be an athlete you should be an athletic supporter <laughs> yeah, yeah, i like that that's very but, good but we did learn a lot of great lessons in being an athlete it, it, it really carries over into the spiritual realm it carries it you know teammate mm. everybody plays a different part on the team everybody's valuable how you practice is how you play yes how you prepare like you're talking about what you eat yeah. You know, what you're feeding on all the time is going to either nourish your body or not. Man, we, you can learn a lot of good but stuff. But I like I like the question, though. I didn't forget the question. Popcorn and ice cream are my two Achilles heels. That's yeah. it. So you, I don't, I'm, chocolates and cakes and cookies don't move me. Ice cream and popcorn. I, I knew we were, forget we, about I knew it. we were connected <laughs> in more ways than just the Lord because, you know, ice cream is, I can be so full, I can't take another bite and right. I can still eat ice cream. Mm-hmm. All right. Can I tell you a really funny story? Absolutely. Three, 30 seconds. No, absolutely. I like food challenges. I don't think it's a, ba- a bad thing to try and challenge yourself to eat a big plate of something. So I ate a 76 ounce steak, right? <laughs> I failed the first time. I had to pay $50 for it. But I <laughs> convinced first. myself the first time I tried it, I couldn't do it. 
I was suffering. I felt like I was hurting, <laughs> but my ego was getting to me and I had to come back a year later and I killed that 76 ounce steak. Oh my goodness. In Amarillo. No, no, this was nope. in New York. You call oh. it JR Steakhouse, right? <laughs> right. Or Jane R or whatever. And so right after I ate the steak, I'm dying. I tell the guy, can you get me five scoops of ice cream? And the guy looks at me like a deer in headlights. He goes, what? I said, if you don't get me ice cream right now, this flavor of meat in me oh. is going to be a mess. Oh. He went to the kitchen. He got five big scoops and I devoured it. <laughs> See, that's something only a, a true ice cream connoisseur. Uh-huh. Can, you, can, you know, thank you, Stephen. Yes, that's can't right. Appreciate for appreciating that. that. So, so, so uh, when you're on a tour wrestling, yes. did they take good care of you what food wise or did you have to take care of all um, of those things? No, they, they, they were very good. I mean, one thing about wrestling, they provided your travel, your meals, um, you know, even they provided your medical care for the evening of the event. So if you got hurt during a match, but we didn't have any health coverage, that kind of thing. So, oh, okay. so yeah, they fed us the promoters and they raised a lot, you know, they had a lot of money to put on the show and ticket sales and all that stuff. So they, you never, they pay you pretty good? They pay pretty good. Yeah, and yeah. I, they paid more money overseas, so I, I kind of... I was an independent wrestler for most of my career because I, when I when I had my tryout with WWF, you know, I went to the office, did all the things I had to do, and then I just, I turned it down. People said I, career, I committed career suicide, mm-hmm. um, which in wrestling, when you get an offer from Vince McMahon, you take it, <laughs> and I didn't because there was just a lot of things attached to it, and so I went on my merry way, but I actually did better because I created a gimmick. You know, I looked like Gene Simmons on my paint, yeah. but I had these shoulder pads, which were my high school football shoulder pads. I got them from my coach, put 306 spikes in them, and uh. I created a look. And so I actually made more money off of selling pictures, wow. T-shirts, you know, my my stuff. Yeah, And sure. so I didn't care if the promoter paid me well, I was gonna sell a lot of my merchandise, so yeah. Well, yeah. well good, well it's, it's interesting how our lives are molded by our experiences, you know, yeah. and I used to, you know, talk to Rebecca a lot about, you know, be, former, being a disc jockey, being a police officer, military, where all that, you feel like you've just wasted so much of your life, but mm. it's amazing how God brings that back in different aspects yeah. and uses it for what he's called you to do. And we've used just about mm-hmm. every aspect of that, yeah. so. Um, one more thing about wrestling, name drop. Oh, anyone we know that you wrestled with? I mean, I wrestled the Undertaker before he was the Undertaker. He was just mean. So he was the Overtaker. He was was mean. He was was mean. Mark Callis. That's his real name, Mark. You know. Yeah. So that was him. Um, I wrestled um, Stone Cold Steve Austin when he was stunning Steve. Um, (laughs) So he wasn't Stone Cold yet. (laughs) He stole my nickname. And then I and then Kamala. I wrestled him. The Ugandan Giant. Uh Several. I mean we were like best friends you know Aww. he had other best friends but when i traveled with him i was attached to his hip and sure. he taught me a lot in the business sure. so but you know and th- that was the years that was so great so that's why dave and lewis mm-hmm. were so necessary because they didn't know any of that gotcha they just knew the broken guy you know who sure. was had no identity you know they learned who i was but it didn't matter to them they weren't impressed and I love that, you That's know. Very cool. They didn't hang out with me because I was an ex-wrestler, you know. So tell us how you got into uh, doing what you're doing now. How did you get into evangelism, street evangelism? So, the, so basically what happened was they ministered to me for 13 months telling me every day Jesus loved me, but it was until they told me they loved me is when I gave wow. my heart to the Lord. I didn't want to hear about Jesus loving me. So I said, why do you guys not leave me alone? And and they said, because we can't. And I said, yeah, you can, you have free will. Because I knew now enough about the Bible. So I knew God gave you free will. Why do you keep 
doing this to me. They said, because we love you. And I was so angry that they said that. I said, you have no right to love me after I just abused you for a year and a month. And they said, no, Jesus rescued us and wow. he sent us to rescue you. Wow. And so that next weekend I got saved. And so getting saved in a huge church, it was about 5,000, 6,000 members. Um, you know, they taught me well. They had an Oral Roberts University at the, at the, at the church. So I was in a lot of those classes learning, you know, biblical principles, but also all the pastors that were on staff, man, every single one of them looked different and they preached different and they sounded different. But then they ordained me in 2008. They said, you're a true evangelist, you know, cause I was doing a lot of evangelist outreaches. Sure. So Mario came to the church, you know, he had us do an impact in the city and he actually, Mario was the one who told me the Lord's gonna use you, and I said, "Hink, how's he gonna use me?" He goes, "We're gonna get you in the ring. You're gonna wrestle, and at the end of the match, you're gonna share your testimony." Mario Marillo. Marillo, yeah. Okay. So he was the guest evangelist. I got healed during his service, which was scary in itself. You know, <laughs> my eighty percent hearing loss comes back, and I'm like, "I'm leaving. I'm out." Instead of going to the altar, I ran out the back door. I really did. I'd never heard of this. I went to the doctor. Came back on Monday with a report, the old report, new report and Mario got blessed, so that's how we got connected. But wow. then the church did their part. Mario came back and said, let's do an Impact Long Island. And then during this wrestling match, I'm doing what I naturally know how to do, but I didn't know how to do a testimony. True. So Mario said, just tell your story that's at the it. end, just be you. So I'm being me, and then all of a sudden I start crying, I am, I'm like remembering where I came out of, honoring Dave and Lewis, and then I tell the people, if you want what I have, come to the altar, which was the ringside. I'm in the ring. Well, the people started flooding and over 500 people came. Wow. And they weren't coming because they wanted to be next to the wrestling ring or the wrestler. They were bawling. They were like, and I'm like, what? And so the harvest <laughs> of it, they came, these souls. And, and the love in my heart for, the, for those who were coming was so great that wow. that's where the evangelist Carmine began. Wow. Then a, a year later, we did Impact Long Island, but another bad area, and I did the same thing, and 1,500 people came, and I couldn't believe it. And so wow. that's what really set my heart to, if we don't reach these broken people, if we don't invest our time like Dave and Lewis did to me, yes, then we are gonna lose, so we're gonna populate hell. Mm. And it's going to be our fault because wow. we are refusing to go out there and reach the lost. Because this is our time. It this is. is our window, our opportunity yes. on the earth, our mission. Yeah, we, I like you said, Mario said, be you. Yep. You've talked a lot today about identity and stuff. Yep. And be you. You get to be you. Yep. Matter of fact, the world needs you to be you. Yep. They don't need you to be anybody else. No. Not Mario or Jules or Steven or... We have to like really remember the, the, I call them nuggets. We all call them nuggets. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nuggets of wisdom you hear from people. Mm -hmm. The first one was that wrestling promoter. You're going to heal and then what? That's right. Cool. The next nugget came from The Rock's dad, you know, Dwayne Johnson. Right. His dad, I wrestled him and he, I was a kid in the locker room and, and Rocky Johnson told me, he said, kid, if you want to go far in wrestling, two things you got to do. He's got to, you got to shut your mouth and you got to listen more. That's why he said, you just sit in the locker room and listen to these pros and you just, you'll learn. Wow. And then I, you know, when I was a kid at 10 years old, 
I remembered when there was one saying that I've always lived by, and and now it's more important to me than ever, and that's um, what's his um, the, the Super Bowl trophy. Um, it's named after uh, oh, oh Vince Lombardi. Yeah, Vince Lombardi. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens? I think that's because of the, all the headshots from the chairs, you know. No, but Vince Lombardi said this, and I lived this from ten years old all the way on. He said, "No, per, no one could ever obtain perfection." Isn't that so true? No one could ever obtain perfection, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. Mm. Wow! Great. And so now I think about it: who's the only person who ever lived the perfect life on this earth? Mm-hmm. Jesus. Jesus. So if we chase after Him, we can be excellent. Amen. in trying to portray or, or be like him, you know? So, That's and cool. so all of those, and even Mario, be yourself. He said, just don't be nervous, be yourself. Just tell your story. And I'm thinking, nobody's gonna listen. And uh, and it's just amazing. So. That's great. Well, so tell us a little bit about what your ministry is doing now. Uh, uh, traveling around the country, uh, obviously going overseas is kind of a difficult thing right now. Yeah. So what are you guys doing now? Well, the Lord has made it very clear to Jules and I that our the mission field for us is in our own backyard. It's here in America. It's in yeah. every neighborhood, in every city. But the Lord has given me, he's told me, because I'm a New Yorker. I was born and raised in the city. I know the streets. I know the people. I know I know how to of survive. Sure. And so he said, I'm going to give you New York if you want it. If you don't want it, I'll give it to somebody else. Mm. That's a big that's a big plate right there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, but I know it's, a, it's not just me. He's going to give it to me because I have the zeal and the tenacity to go after it. But that we're going to be able to forge the relationships that are going to mm-hmm. build an army to go after millions of souls, not thousands. Thousands is small game. I'm talking millions of souls are going to come to the Lord in New York alone. Wow, that's great. New York is huge. And I'm talking about Long Island. I'm talking about the five boroughs. I'm talking about upstate, downstate. New York goes all the way to, you know, to the Canadian border. So New York is a big slice, you know? Yeah. But I believe that the Lord has not only given me New York, he's also put in me the heart of a pastor i was a pastor for five years i understand that the pastor is the front line of all of what's going on we have to we have to honor and respect the pastors but we also as an evangelist need to go up there into the house of god which is the church in the local community and we have to underpin and really support what the pastor was been given from the lord the pastor's been given a direction Absolutely. And so I don't come in there with my agenda. I say to the pastor this, I say, what has the Lord told you? Where, Like you and Rebecca, where is, where is he taking the sanctuary? And then when the Lord tells you where he's taking it now as an evangelist, my job is to be a mouthpiece. It's to rile the troops. You know, you've sure. been in the military. Absolutely. You got to rile the troops. You have to get them excited, set them on fire and let them be the true workers to get out in that field and go collect the harvest because the harvest is low hanging today it's hanging low what were we seeing the other day it was like a brave heart scene or oh no it wasn't it was lord of the rings and the king was getting up you know how everybody's lined up for battle and they're facing each other and the, the king was getting on his horse and riding and trying to motivate everybody and stephen said something really interesting he goes you know what that's why you have commanders and that's why you have like a hierarchy in the military because not everybody heard that. So he tells his guys, his guys tell the people, the people go and do it. And I'm seeing that, that that's what you're talking you about. You have it, to have delegation yes. of authority because if, if just the commander sitting there yelling at a million troops, not everyone's going to hear him. 
you, you delegate that down, that authority yeah. down, and that's what happens. Yeah. Pastors need evangelists. Yes. Yes. Evangelists need pastors. Absolutely. Yes. We have to link arm in arm with these offices yeah. because we need each other, and that's why God's so brilliant that way. Yeah. And that's why he, he I know that that's why he made it that way is so we can be fully equipped to go yes. out and minister. And the Lord showed me in a dream. I had a dream once and it was me on a horse and I'm really not a horseback rider, right? Um, but, you know, I love horses, but the Lord showed me an army and he showed me on a horse that I was in the front yes. with all the, like you're saying, just exactly what you're saying. All of the commanders, the king, everybody's yes. in the front heading to the battle but he showed me as the guy who would leave the front and my horse would race all the way to the very back, to the least, to the very end of the line and catch those people back up to the front. And and I don't know if this is even a thing in Westerns, maybe in military, but back in those days, man, somebody had to mm -hmm. say, you, they didn't have microphones, they didn't have, right. you know, megaphones. So somebody had to bring that message way to the back. That's it. They had runners. Runners. Yeah. That's what he showed me, that I was a runner. That Then that's what it was. And nobody's ever told me what that was. And a runner with, is a mouthpiece. Right. Is what and he said. said, you're going to be that guy that's, you have the ability to leave the front and get to the back and then get back up to the front again. If you ever want to see a good movie about runners, watch Gallipoli with Mel Gibson. Really? Watch that. It, it's it's very moving. Gallipoli. Gallipoli. How do you spell Gallipoli? <laughs> Don't even Just get me lying to you. Gallipoli, believe it or not. I'll spell it, I'll spell it phonetically. It's, uh, yeah. oh, but, I did that. My phone goes off. Um, so, well... How can people uh, reach you if they want to uh, link arms with you and be part of your ministry and support your ministry? How can they reach you? Yeah, they just, you go right on the internet. You can go to uh, www.hittingthepavement.com. That's the best way. Or you can, if you're on social media, we you can go onto Facebook page. We have a Hitting the Pavement page on there as well. And then we have other, other streams. We have a YouTube page. You can go to Hitting the Pavement on YouTube. So there's many ways you can reach us. Um, you know, my wife and I are, are working on a lot of, getting it a lot of more cleaned up and sure. and easier for people to reach us. And, you know, we're, we're wrestling for souls. That's really our, we are hitting the pavement, but our mission is to wrestle for souls. That's I'm not wrestling great. against flesh and blood. Amen. I'm going after souls. That's Praise a, God. So we need a lot of people that are ready to go after souls. Yes. Well, well if you're if you're listening, this is a very good it is a great ministry to to uh sow into this is fertile ground here we or, you know we're sowing into it yes. we're going to continue sowing into it and we just want you know to to understand the importance of what they're doing by going out in the trenches yes and and, and reaching people and and i think mario Murillo, when we were talking and interviewed him said it best he was saying we don't need concerts we don't need things like that we need people reaching the lost yes and, and, and so you know a lot of the focus is taken off of that and put on to you know and, and mario always says big screens smoke machines and skinny <laughs> jeans, jeans like well, I don't, well, my but, jeans are tight i don't yeah, know yeah skinny no. jeans are uh it's, it's because of ice cream and, and pizza <laughs> you know but <laughs> but but so, you're right i mean the day of of entertain and i tell yes. people all the time i used to entertain i was so good i knew my crowd i knew the audience but man, this is not about entertainment. And I'm sorry, we are in the trenches. We are going to either win this battle, yep. this war, or we're going to lose it. And the only way we're going to lose it is by not 
fulfilling Jesus's prayer. Jesus yes. prayed that we be one with each other. Yes. yes. And he didn't hold nothing back. You know, I always say this, this is a beautiful picture. I, we know Jesus is God, right? God yes. is in yes. three persons, Holy Spirit. So when Jesus is saying, because now he's having this talk with God, God, I want them to be one with each other like we are one with each other and, and they're one with me. But I love, I would love to see the look on God's face <laughs> when Jesus says this, and the glory that you yes. gave me, oh yeah, I'm giving that to them too. Yes. Like, I'm not holding the good part back. I'm gonna give them everything. God must've been like, what? Like, what? wait, what? You're giving them the glory? Like, what? No, 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 because he said, if, and, and that's how you leave a legacy. You know how people really leave a legacy? They don't hold nothing back. They give it all. Exactly they give it right. all away. That's right. And Jesus gave it all away. Pour it out. So mm -hmm. we we have no right to hold it for ourselves. We have to go into those backyards and those alleys and those hoods and the projects. And we have to give the glory of God to every single one of them. Amen. I like what you said in church on Sunday when you spoke here. You're talking about somebody went after me. Yes. So somebody went after me. I know a lot of us have old little grandmas and moms have been praying for us for, yep. and they went after us and they mm. didn't, they didn't let go or give up or get discouraged. And so we got to do that for our, well, I just want to say thank you guys for doing what you're doing and continue doing it. We just speak blessings over you guys yes. and we just, uh, we're, we're, and we are linked arms with you yes. guys now. And there's a, mm -hmm. there's more than just a, uh, a, a, a unique connection we have. There's yes. a divine connection. Amen. And so I can I can just see wonderful things happening in yep. the future together. Yes. So we just want to thank you guys, and we appreciate you coming out. Thank you for having us. And uh, like I say, you guys are always welcome uh, anytime. So, you know, what we're going to do is uh, continue to have you back, and we're going to have more of these interviews as we go forward for Crown One Ministries. Also, Sanctuary OK in Oklahoma City. All of our websites, uh, crownedoneministries.com and sanctuaryok.com. And all of our teachings are live on Facebook and YouTube. So yep. subscribe to both, Hitting the Pavement and Crown One Ministries on YouTube. We will just see you guys for our next podcast. Stay tuned, subscribe, and listen. And we'll keep you posted on lots of great things going on. God bless. God bless you.